Z, what up, man? What's going on with you? Honestly, best way to say it is maintaining right now, man. Man, that's all we can do, man. Maintain and try to figure out a way to to make some changes, man. What we can control, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting times, and you know, obviously, I've been trying to get up with you here to get you on to the pod, just to have a conversation, even before all these things that's going on here. But wanted to make sure that you had an opportunity to discuss your endeavors and your entrepreneurship, you know, with your product and your team. The thoughts on Father's Day, Juneteenth, all of it kind of being wrapped up into one. Man, one hundred, man. Grandpa's here, so they ain't thinking about me. They upstairs. <laughs> How is it in Denver right now? Just in general, like the scale of things and people. I mean, for me, man, I live a. I work from home, so I don't have to do too much. You know what I mean? I actually I going into a gym, so I'll be out there, uh, back out in the city soon. But I can refrain from watching too much on TV. But you know, you hear just like the rest of the world kind of erupted. Denver had his part too, but where I'm at, man. I got my kids all the time, so I keep them safe. I keep them in the neighborhood, and it's been beautiful, though. Like, you know, Denver has great, great weather, man. You know, I'm originally from Minneapolis, so I'll take this sunshine. I love the mountains. You know, I get out there and run the trails. Denver, is, it's, it's a beautiful place, man. Yeah, Colorado is definitely the second home for a lot of us. Some of us just ended up, you know, putting their roots down and, and making it happen. You know, good on you to be able to still be comfortable with making that change, business owner, spiritual mind so i want to make sure you get your acting credit you know a blackter so i mean <laughs> as dope that you've been able to make sure that you you found a way to, to make it work moving there as far as with you being from minneapolis i'd be wrong to not even at least address or at least ask your views on what happened in your hometown over these last couple of weeks uh just overall you don't have to get into the nitty gritties of it but just as far as what you'd like to see from your hometown because we all have a certain perspective of you know how we feel about our hometowns and just a couple thoughts um yeah man obviously it's, it's a it's a sad time and not being there firsthand and you know being around family and stuff just my first reaction was like man just checking on everybody make sure they're, they're safe see where their mindset's at but it's not like i think what ha- has happened before i just think the accumulation of like everything that's going on quarantine and plus people are just fed up man like it was it was crazy seeing it and to be able to watch a whole episode of like yo this what what could somebody possibly say because you know somebody always comes up with oh if you would have did this this which we don't buy into but like to see that it was shocking like my uh, boy my we just talked about it the day before and then one of my homeboys sent me a video as i woke up i'm looking i'm like man when was this but yo that that was yesterday i'm like yo so it was just crazy seeing the city kind of go through what it went through but then to see that it was happening like everywhere it was just like yeah tell that people it's not the first time people are fed up but it was it was sad watching the city you know go through that but you know me seeing or hearing from people back home of really what's happening it was more frustrating watching the outside world judge and say that we're burning down our own city i'm like man we live there that's not our mo we've never burned down our own city that doesn't make sense <laughs> i mean but then hearing from what really is happening um it's just a frustrating part of like man i can't i wish i can convince people that are that don't live there that are not from there it makes no sense for us to burn down a barbershop that we that we all go to you know what i mean like we know who owns this place or anything like that so it's just a weird space man like honestly it was just a weird it felt surreal you have every emotion you're dealing with anger you're sad you're in shock it was just it was just crazy and my dad is really close to you know the incident in the area but uh he said the weird the rough part with him is just like you have to kind of go to a store somewhere else because you don't know what's about to happen you know i mean you don't know what it could turn crazy quick you know everybody pretty much stayed away from the, the action well, blessings, you know, obviously with your folks and blessings to the folks who are still going through transitions and the reevaluation of what we do in this world and in this country. 
Um, and obviously, you know, rest in peace, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. Amon Arbery. The, the list goes on and on, which, I mean, when you're talking about your favorite records, that's one thing when we're talking about innocent lives being lost on Raymond Floyd, you know, just it, these are all things that just happened basically over the course of the Rona days. And it's almost the perfect storm, it seems like, at least when we're talking about why you said that we've got this awakening is that nobody else was really doing anything for a couple months. There was no real, quote, distraction to move people off of what they saw right in front of them. Compounding mm-hmm. that with just the unfortunate incident that was happening with this COVID, um, putting people in a situation where they didn't really know what steps would be next, trying to find direction to make sure that they had a a chance to at least see something to the other side. And then in a lot of ways, just being fed up, like you said, as far as with distractions, you being a former college athlete, basketball was your specialty. I did see a video earlier of you out there dunking. And I don't know, it was more shocking the fact that you dunked or that the fact that your kids didn't think the dad actually had game, Uh, but both of them are still dope. What are your initial thoughts about the NBA and even Major League Baseball trying to find a way to bring the sport back, be it in bubbles and domes and remote location? Man, that's a crazy situation, too, man. Like, it's funny. Yeah, my kids didn't believe I can do it. But, hey, it's been a while, sure. I, I, I can't blame them for doubting me. I didn't know if I can do it either. But the thought, just kind of listening to it, man, I feel that it's, it's such an uncertainty that, you know, people are going to try to make it happen, right? Like, I, I love that the NBA was the first to kind of take the step of like, yo, we're shutting it down because they know a lot of they they have they hold so much weight in their decisions. Like if we shut it down, it's going to force other people to to take those steps. We also know just like everything else, it's a business, and they're trying to find out that common ground. Like what's allowed, let's try it. What what can we put together? But it, I think it's such a scary thing because even like you can look at now, people like they're starting to open things back up. Yep. Nothing's changed. Like it, it, the virus is still there. Like you know I mean? like people are like really going back to like it just does not. It's gone. Like that was just a thing. So you you won't know until you do it. It's it's just a, it's it's weird. Like I don't know if you watched the Dave Chappelle stand up uh, that he just did. Absolutely. And um, you he even mentioned it. He was like, "Look, we took. Is this weird? But this is the steps that we took. This is what we're allowed to do. But we won't know until somebody does it first. So if NBA wants to put that on their shoulders to say like the we're going to be willing to try to take these steps. I mean somebody's going to be first players have to make that decision because it ultimately comes down to their lives and their families' lives right so i have a if, couple just random thoughts on it is that one you're hearing people bring up you know Kyrie, no knock to any of these players because they're tremendous athletes and they're doing their best to bring their voice out there's a good march of players that were saying maybe they should not play not so much because of COVID, which should still be just as important to them but about the social disturbances that are going on oddly enough you haven't heard that same kind of sentiment from anybody about baseball Mm -hmm. so thought that we can't you know walk and chew gum at the same time or be able to, to have two different mindsets it doesn't make any sense it's a financial destruction nba players union if they don't play because in the collective agreement the owners can renegotiate because they can shut things down for a pandemic or civil unrest. And then, then the players mm-hmm. don't get those same kind of splits. I get that they want to create a stand and make a voice, but we're probably in a generation together, and I'm a little bit ahead of you, where the majority of people that we interact with, black, white, and are indifferent, a lot of the people that they looked up to or had as role models were black. And a lot of mm-hmm. them, unfortunately, 
in a lot of households, it was because they were on TV and they played that sport and that gave that child at least some kind of vision of being able to get out. And just as many situations that you have with that being black and brown kids, there's some white kids that ended up learning how to hoop because their favorite player was Jordan. Uh, We've seen some. Now, as far as from like the health standpoint, that's just as big of a problem because a lot of these players and the way that they're talking about having them set up is giving them certain locations and amenities depending on where their seating was before the stoppage. (laughs) The other part of it is you're talking about putting people together for two to three months without them seeing their families. We know NBA players. I'm not about to sit here and slander any of them out there because they're all upstanding young men, but some of them live interesting lifestyles. And it's tough for me to be able to believe that they're going to be able to keep that whole tribe under control for two to three months, especially somebody that's a higher seed, hits some kind of playoff run, and they ain't expecting to be there. They're going to end up partying the whole way through. So there's going to be some folks trying to run. So those are things like you brought up you got to kind of consider. You know, same thing with like the UFC and now with boxing coming back. Somebody has to try it in some ways. It's crazy. It seems the way that we've been able to mend and in some ways get along all these years and these decades is because of the synergy of sports and society. Now, this does not mm-hmm. take anything away what we need to do and need to address because this march is going to continue on. It seems like it's been amplified more than any other time in anybody's history. But there's also a need to have economic power if you do have to you know, share with that other folks, as they would like to say in these bad situations. They were there before this happened. And now you're just socially responsible to know that you won't allow for them to do that to you. And if it if you see something, say something at this point, this is the greatest time where we have that opportunity to do that. But I think that it's necessary for them to get back out there and to be able to show the strength in our numbers. I also think that it's probably unlikely that they're going to get through that whole restart of the season without some folks popping up with COVID. It'll just be, if it's any of like the elite stars, you are not going to hear about it. You already saw what happened with Ezekiel Elliott, how he spazzed out, which is true. You know, no, nobody should be knowing his information like that. And it's not going to be that hard for anybody to find out. Let LeBron knock on wood, catch the COVID. That's going to be number one on SportsCenter because they don't have a damn thing else to run. Then they'll give you the history of COVID and then they'll show all the times that LeBron was sick, chicken pox. (laughs) And he was here and he was there. Look at his Instagram. He did this video. He was running out here. He worked out with this trainer. This trainer came. It goes, uh, I do, like when you talk about, you know, the Kyrie and some players standing up for social injustice, I believe that they have this platform and now they can control the narrative. And it's saying like, let us use this platform and use our voice. We play basketball. People are going to come watch us. Now make them listen to us. Now that, you know, uh, the Colin Kaepernick situation is coming to light again and people are starting to understand the different perspective and, and hearing the real story behind it instead of just trying to hear what they wanted to hear. Now let's start to use this platform to speak on social injustice and get these people's names out there and get these stories out there. How can we educate people about black history? How can we educate people about the law while we're playing basketball we're controlling the commercials we're controlling if they can take that in and say okay if people are going to tune in this is what they're going to see now i think that'd be powerful instead of just holding and i get i get both sides i can see like if you if we hold back and then it's people's money involved and then now things can try to shift that way but i also say like man you guys got the biggest platform right use it speak on it so it it's it's it, i'm interested to see how it all plays out oddly enough as crazy as it sounds with a six to eight billion dollar typically annual revenue like the nba they're just a dry rehearsal for the biggest money maker in the country which is the nfl and they've got a whopping amount of issues they're gonna have to address they just COVID's just a back burner things they're gonna have to try to get through at this point mm-hmm. uh, okay let's let's just go through a couple of just q a's and when it's talking about the shield thoughts about I want to say salute the gentleman that went rogue in the NFL 
and sent the message to Michael Thomas to get some of the more popular players in the league to do that initial video of being, that could be me, which mm. was monumental. And mind you, it was a white dude. So that right there in itself lets you know that there's people that understand the unfortunate plight of what's going on, and he was willing to risk his job and his own livelihood in that moment to make that stand. Mm -hmm. And they went from that. It forced the NFL's hand to at least, quote, address it. And so then you got Goodell out there. And as much as people give Goodell smoke, which, you know, you got to, he doesn't mm -hmm. control the league. He works on behalf of 32 billionaires that basically tell him to move when they move. And you got 40 something approximately million dollars in free lifetime and a PJ for the rest of your days. But he don't <laughs> he don't own the game. It's good that he was out there, but he's basically just a representation like the customer service rep. If you tried to bring back a defaulted microwave. But, you know, we got him out there and he made his statement. You know, he made another statement, which is like, come on, man, the whole we should see Colin back. And if he doesn't come back as a player, let's bring him on as, you know, somebody that we can work. Man, if you don't get that wolf ticket out of here, like you basically ruined my career as is for something that I was essentially trying to talk about right here, right now. And now you think I'm gonna come back and work for you. The coldest part was that regardless of where you look at it on the political scale, our current president in chief, he specifically said that anybody that was in that league that took a knee should be his tagline. And I'm not even gonna give him the credit of his tagline on my podcast. But you know, he did call them sons of bitches. That ain't his tagline. That's been said for, you know, the history of time. Now on a recording in an interview that obviously Cap should get another chance to play in the NFL as long as he's good enough, not addressing the kneeling, but he's basically turning about face on those same owners that he basically punked into their position. And now what are they going to do? Are they going to now capitulate, bring cap on, or are they going to say nobody, even with the president jumping ship, nobody's going to tell us what to do because we don't necessarily like what he did. He didn't ask us first. I think it's going to be more of the latter. Uh, they'll mm -hmm. deal with Trump leaving them be. Nobody, when they get that kind of money, wants somebody to do something defiant to them and think that they're gonna get the better of them. That, that's, it. I guess, I'm, 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 I'm interested to see, man. But I, I mean, just like the president, just like the, the billionaires, just like the people running me, they're clever, man. They find a way to spin it, distract you, and, and, and blatantly don't care. <laughs> yeah. At some point, like we don't care. We'll do this, and at some point, there's a washover. Y'all be focused on something, and that's what they bet on, right? right. I think. Just now during these times, we're able to stick with focus on these situations a little bit longer. And really, I just wish they could put people in these hot seats. Like, let's expose people. Because <laughs> I feel like this is the year of exposure. 2020 is exposing your friends, your family, and now we get to sit with it a little bit longer. To be like, hmm, that's what you think. That's how you feel. But like, let's put some of these billionaires in and in, in get some statements and get some questions and bringing people that out front and they won't do it, man. Nobody, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. There's just so much behind it. We'll see, right? And then we still got to get to November before the whole country completely <laughs> fires off and, you know, Molotov cocktails itself. So we got to figure out what's mm. going to happen with that. But <laughs> on to more positive note, these situations, typically downtrodden environments, uh, down economies, they tend to, for the folks that can make their way through, end up creating great opportunities and it gives people a perspective of how they can do something for themselves you 
being an entrepreneur. I tip my hat to you on that because you have made it a point to not let anything else slip on top of being a business owner and having your own team structure to also being a good husband and a good father. How is your career set up to be able to take care and be there for your, your family? I believe that growing up, like, you know, when you're young, I like when I was playing ball overseas and traveling and stuff, it was more self-centered, right? But I knew I always wanted to have a family because I just, I, that's like a, just a big part of me. Like, I, I just imagine dreaming growing up, like, man, I get to raise these kids, but I want to spend time with my family. And I remember just as a young kid looking at people and seeing people just not spend time with their kids. They wake up, spend an hour with them, get them ready, drop them off at school. They got a sport or whatever. You get off work, eat dinner, and then they go to bed. And I was just like, man, luckily, like my family wasn't like that. My mom and dad worked different shifts. So I was able to have my dad during the day and then my mom during the evening or both, you know, my dad would work night shifts. But I, I loved having my parent around. So I never really grew up with a nanny and not that many babysitters. So that was just a goal of mine. I, I really wanted to spend time with my family. So when I came and looked at opportunities, I was like, any job working 40, 60, 70 hours a week, somebody else is going to raise my kid. I don't I don't want my life to wrap around this job that I'm, I'm going to have to spend so much time in. At least let me find something that I love, that I'm passionate about, that also allows me to have that time freedom to spend with my kids. And if I have to work around that, then great. Finding that, it's been such a blessing, man. I've met a guy that shared a story with me, and he he kind of watches me as I spend so much time with my kids and he was like he built a construction business he's an older guy and he was like man what you're doing is so amazing he's like I wish I would have did that he's like I understand that I worked so hard that my wife didn't have to work that she was able to take care of the kids but I don't have a relationship with my son and I'm trying to rebuild that through my grandson spend as much time with him but he's like I see your connection with your kids and how much time you spend with them he's like there's nothing gonna be better than that and I was just like and I, I it, it was just like okay reconfirming that I'm like, okay, great. I knew that and that's why I do it. But being able to find something that you're passionate in and build to be able to hand off to them and to say, hey, you can either keep this going or you can just use the money from it until whatever it comes down. But keep, the things that I'm learning about being an entrepreneur, they're going to have, they're already seeing it, but they're going to know it and know that it's available. I wish I would have knew more about it before I turned 27 years old, you know, but for the last seven years now, it's just been a blessing to grow and to learn from it, man, and to spend so much time with my family and to see that that the real prize. It's not the house, it's not the car, it's not the jewelry, experience, the time, and all that other stuff is coming. So, I don't know, man, I'm tr I feel like I'm truly, truly blessed to, to see that and make the decisions that I needed to make. Well, you should feel blessed being in that situation, thriving as a parent, you are a catalyst for the next generation of change. So you're somebody that's all in, not only in the current environment, but you have kids that are going to be the future leaders of this country and at least the, the future mindsets of this country. So the time that you're putting in now is invaluable from a distance. Salute. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Having the parent dynamic takes a step back to what we've been seeing and what we were talking about earlier with the civic unrest and the civil unrest and the racial injustices. We know that there are families our prior generation are and right around our generation, dual parent household in a lot of ways because of crime laws and statutes that didn't necessarily favor opportunities to be able to keep black and brown families together. And now there's a ripple effect of that. I think because of folks such as yourself, a bevy of other good men that we know 
that we've came up around similar circles over the years, they, for the most part, didn't have that exact experience of not having their parent there, but in some situations they did. But they had role models or positive reinforcement to know that regardless of what happened, they wanted to be dope fathers. It's one of the greatest compliments that I give any of my, my peoples is that you guys are responsible fathers and you make it a conscious effort to be there for your kids and to let people know like it's cool to be a, a father you know uh, don't listen to the old 90s rap because there were some things in there would tell you like it wasn't cool to be a dad no it, it it's cool for y'all to be responsible and be there for the kids because they will be the ones that will look out for us if not they're gonna run up in your house because they don't have no damn house training <laughs> exactly that's a they're like little mirrors man i can see like my faults i can see things in you know me and my wife in them and to see the greatness though like to see these little these personalities shine and what they're going to be and what they are now man it's powerful like you said i believe that uh being a present father being a present parent is one of the best things it now don't give me it's one of the hardest because i was talking to one of my boys he kind of he always looks up he's like man i'm I'm using you as the blueprint because he's like we didn't have a blueprint so he's like i'm I'm learning from you and watching you and it's great seeing you but i'm like i i it was a part where I really wasn't around my dad. You know what I mean? And he, he didn't set the greatest example. He loved me, but he dealt with his own personal issues. So for me, it's like, I don't use that as an excuse. I'm like, okay, I know what didn't work for me and what hurt me and what, you know, was wrong. So I make sure that I don't do that to my kids. And on the flip side, I try to, you know, come up with like, what's, and you can imagine, everybody has this imagination. It's like, imagine what is the best that you can give your kids and don't focus on the thing, like right. not the, oh, the shoes, the outfits and all that. No. And I, you can ask, you can answer this question. I look back and I was like, what I will want my dad to build me this business, but I never built a relationship with him and all I had was money. And then at some point he dies, but I just have this money or what I want my father to be around. And I can remember all these lessons and tools that he taught me. And I'll always have the memories, and he's been able to, to equip me to go get whatever I want. Whatever I want, I go get instead of leaving it for me, and I don't have a bomb. Well, you would want, was, yeah, you'd want to have the memories because there's plenty of stories when you cut on E or anywhere else where you get somebody gets a bag of money and they blow it all on strippers, bad bets, and faulty scams because they ain't have no knowledge or no skill set from somebody to in, you know, instill in them that this is how you at least move. I'd much rather have the uh, history and the time with my father, even if the money's not there because it's not like he didn't hustle, so it wasn't like he was broke. But, you know, mm -hmm. uh, compared to having millions of dollars, it wouldn't matter if I didn't know how to handle myself. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the thing that we can't buy is time. And oddly mm -hmm. enough, as we, not so much age, but as we mature, because I think there's a difference. As we mature, you start to recognize that that is the most valuable commodity because it's something that even when you save up money, you can't buy. You might be able to postpone a little bit of something in the time. You can't stop time and you can't restock it. If that was the case, it'd be a whole lot of people trying to buy in livestock because it'd probably be the mm -hmm. most valuable stock that you can buy in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So now, because we, we have an understanding that time is valuable and life is valuable, that's what also makes this impact of what we're seeing out here in the streets that much more strong and just, in some situations, man, overpowering and overbearing. Because, again, we know that life is valuable. And in a lot of cities, you deal with folks that are, you know, wearing that badge and just being in those situations, it seems like our life and that value just doesn't seem like it even correlates to them. Mm -hmm. you, you got the reflection on our own side and then you see what's going on on the other side of it. And it, it, it makes for a challenge. Having the, 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 the parental mixed um, and 
at least having that kind of exposure, it's not, again, it's not something that everybody gets to see. And so with you at least having your parents there, even if it was on split shifts and then the occasional time where they were together, I'd say, what was your experience having them there? And then, you know, you get through your high school years, get through your prep years, and you end up making your way to a junior college in a farming community in Northern Colorado. I think my, I had a split family, but my mom and dad worse when I was five. I would say my mom has been my rock. And I actually had to have a conversation with our friend, Francois, but then also with another friend of mine, kind of speak to the strength of our mother. Because when I look back at our stories, I was starting to, even us, like we were talking about, you know, what's going on with between black and white and how they might not understand and they think that they don't know the living out how hard it is to get to this certain point but then the conversation also was like when we were talking it's like well if we can just get together as a community i was like oh like i had a lot of breaks in my life from my mom and great mentors that have helped me i could have ended up in any other bad situation i had a great mind i had a strong mind but if they wouldn't have made the sacrifices they did i don't think we would have turned out as we are today so it wasn't just like we 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 nutted up and figured it out like yeah man we we could have went this no man like our moms are still some we have some strong moms right yeah my mom has always been my rock my dad disappeared for a while and my dad actually when i was 18 years old i came back after my freshman year of college and i was just working out he had this gym he would open up for me and he literally sat down and told me and this kind of blew my mind as we were trying to build our relationship again that he looked up to me and i was like whoa like what do you mean you look up to me I'm 18. I ain't did nothing yet. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out this college thing. And I had a, a rough freshman year of college before I went to Sterling. He said that you really stuck to your goals, man. Like, he is a, my dad's a talented musician, but he messed up with drugs and alcohol. And, you know, he got his life back on track now, threw his dream away, right? Yeah. And he didn't chase it. And he was like, you're so focused. But I thank my mom because she has that mentality. And that's what I saw. She was a hustler. She made it work for me. You know what I mean? Like she made it happen. I've seen how hard she worked. So I took on that mentality. That's what I knew. And he wasn't around. So I didn't see what he was really doing. Fast forward into where I got to Thurling, like she, I'll give you a, a quick story. So my freshman year, I was in Louisiana, had a crazy situation where I'm the first person that's ever went to college. Um, so I didn't understand the recruitment process. School called Centenary College recruited me, Division One down in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. I sent them both copies of my letter of intent. So I didn't have the information of like, you're on a full ride. But when I went down there, they end up giving me grants where I didn't pay for school, right? So I didn't know. I'm like, oh, I don't have to pay for anything. School's covered. It comes to, like, you know, athletes get these Pell Grants every semester or trimester or something like that. And everybody got theirs. And I went down and I was like, oh, lady's like, yours is not here yet. I'm sorry. And then three weeks later, nope, sorry. A month later, she's like, well, you only got 20 bucks. I'm like, whoa, they just got $2,500. All my teammates, they out here buying all type of crazy stuff, right? Right, right? I'm over here struggling, eating ramen noodles, struggling, hungry. I went to the coach, and long story short, the coach that recruited me left. He tried to take me to Fresno with, so he didn't hand in my scholarship information. Long story short, I couldn't get it. I, I, he was like, you don't get any money. Lost it, bro. I didn't already like the coach, but went off on the coach. I had a really bad attitude at this age. I was, you know, just turned 18. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I quit the team. I tried to fight the coach. Like, I tore his office up. Other coach grabbed me out. And I was like, yo, I'm, I quit the team. I already didn't like him. I'm done. I'm depressed. This is, I hit depression. I mean, I had alcohol poison. I started partying. I stopped going to class. I called my mom. I was like, mom, I'm done. 
And it was such an embarrassment because I worked so hard. You know what I mean? Like, I, I worked so hard to get there. I'm the first one. Everybody's congratulating me. You win D1. And you're playing ball. And the embarrassment kicked in. So that's when I started partying. So when I told my mom I was coming home, she was like, you're not coming back home. I was like, you're crazy, bro. I'm coming home. Like, I'm not playing ball. She was like, you didn't go down there to play basketball. You went down there to get an education. Basketball is a, is a plus. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, we'll see. Call my brother. Call my dad. Call my uncles. Aunts. None of them like, yo, your mom already called, man. We can't. I'm sorry. I can't help you out. So I thought, all right, I'll show her. I just won't go back to class. She can't make me go to class. I'm about to fall out of college. <laughs> you know, they sent me a letter like, yo, it's a it's a private college, so your grade's got to be at least 3.3 or some crazy stuff. I just end up going to a buddy's house, and his dad just spoke life into me. He was like, hey, man, like, weren't you highly recruited out of high school? Talk to your coach. That's how I ended up in Sterling. And if my mom would have let me come home, I probably would have ran and quit every chance I got. That's Once I made it through that, there was it was just that was just bored. Like, okay, well, if you made it through that, you could obviously make it through this. And see, that's why we've got to make sure that we tell our stories for those young men that are going through that situation right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you sit around long enough, you'll have you know conversation with young heads, and they're like, man, you know, I appreciate talking to you, man. It seemed like you got a lot of knowledge. Like, yeah, knowledge comes with lessons learned through life, and just being lucky enough and you know wise enough to not completely go the wrong way. But there was moments mm-hmm. with all of us, you know, and being able to to see it on this side here. It's almost in a lot of ways our duty to tell these stories, especially right now, of men that are able to get through some of those pitfalls that some of our other brothers didn't get through. We are unique, but we're not special to where they can't do it, too. I think they just don't can't remember what I heard it, but people see the end result, right? They see person with the lifestyle. They don't see the work. Yeah. And people don't want to see the work because usually if you don't want it bad enough, you'll quit. So people just focus on, especially the life, the Instagram, the Facebook, the social media life. They just see all these people that can be lying, faking it till they make it. And they, they don't know what really goes into it. Like nobody's seen those dark times, which I feel like we all have, but coming out the other side and learning from those failures. And then once I accepted failure as a part of the process, it was expected. So it wasn't never like, knocking me out it was just like yo let me gather myself and figure it out and come back stronger and i think right now a lot of kids quit so easy that that was a major shift in my life man when i look back at who where i'm at now and who i am that was a major piece because i don't know i would have been a quitter i would i wouldn't knew my mom would allow me to quit and i just give her the excuse and she's like okay well come on home baby we'll figure it out nah sit your ass down there and go to school <laughs> nobody brings you home i'm like oh okay. like i said without having those lessons and i had some things similar to that it's funny people that you know are good people you tend to have similar plights and stories and it builds that character they like said if she wouldn't have done what she did and more importantly had the fear to be able to put into a whole bunch of men it sounded like don't you let that boy come home that's the bigger thing of, of your story is that it wasn't so much the mom says you can't come home it's that all your male figures like nah i, I can't i can't do that i'll shut ride for down. you bro but I, I can't do that one right now. man shut it down it was crazy when i think about it i was angry at i was so mad when you're young you're just mad you don't understand the big picture yeah the people that are older have been through stuff then they know like you gotta stick this through i was mad like okay i'll show them i'm about to kick it every night i mean i was waking up on lawns and hills and the campus like wasted bro <laughs> 18 years old underage drinking just partying like i'm about to turn up every night now what mom thinking that's hurting her she don't even know but then looking back like man 
you had to go through that. Yeah. That was your metamorphosis. Like now, when I came to Sterling, I had already been through the trenches. I already came out on the other side. So when I came down there, my mindset was like, hey, I'm killing everybody. <laughs> like, there's nothing. I don't care what the coach say. I don't care what Dover. There's nothing. And my mindset is too different. And I, I, I flourished, man, from that point on, man. Like, I went, not, it's not to say I didn't see hard times again. I just ran through them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just had a different way about me after that. That's like I said, that's the thing that folks need to be able to hear and, and understand that you're going to have knocks. That's why they call it a hard knock life. But if you at least get yourself through it and don't quit, because there is a lot of generation that have been raised for participation trophy. Best way to put oh, it. Oh man, it's gonna be interesting. It'll be yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that participation trophy era handles these upcoming years. But thankfully enough, we're still young and vibrant enough to be able to be around to not let it completely burn itself down. But yeah, it's uh this is that ripple effect of that of that coddling environment. So you know, good on you folks. <laughs> to not let you end up going down that path. Mm-hmm. I do have to end up asking before we clear that what are your thoughts as far as your vision, what makes sense for your life? And I don't mean like, you know, the concept of life in general. Where do you see these these target goals that make sense for your family and for your community in these next couple of years? I'm really focused on my growth to impact up. And that is my immediate family because I feel like every book, every lesson, that I learn, I'm my kids are going to be better off. Like I said, like for me being the first to go to college, me being the first, I was the first in a lot of things in my family that when I look back, my mom and my dad couldn't teach me because they didn't know. And then I look back, I start to do the history, like, yo, where do where do we come from? What did grandma and granddad do? And then when I found out like some real stuff about my family, I'm like, damn, y'all did the best y'all could. Y'all didn't have a lot. Thankfully, like me being exposed to basketball that allowed me to go to college exposed me to a different world. And then I got to travel the world. I was in different countries. I was the first one to like travel the world. Like a lot of people where we come from don't really leave the state. They just go for, you know, they don't leave the state. So my experience in my growth, I want to pass on. So my, I'm really about impact, man. Like even with my business, I believe that focus on health, you know, fitness and mindset. And I believe if I can equip people with what I've learned, the philosophy of how to better my life and they can do that, that's how they impact the next generations. Cause it's what your kids see, not what you say. Now you can tell them to do something, but if you show them how to do it and you're showing that you're doing it, that's going to hit different. So when my kids look at me, that's all they know is a healthy, active lifestyle. And like me and my wife just became, and it was hard. It was crazy because like during the times, like, man, I want to celebrate it, but like it's, I'm, I'm in a bad mental space of fighting with what's going on in the world, but we're debt free. Like there's no college debt. Well, both of our cars are paid off. We're homeowners. We got all this stuff. And I was like, but we had to learn how to manage money because I didn't know how to manage money when I played overseas. Nobody had made that much money in my life. So I was just like, yo, let's get tatted. Let's go clubbing. Let's travel. I didn't know how to save and invest. I didn't know how to do any of that. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, dude, real story. I come back from overseas. I got this money. And you know, like throughout college and then going overseas, everybody that didn't go to college had jobs. So they got cars. I don't got a car. You know what I mean? I was broke in college. So when I got my money, I come back. I go to the dealership. I take my mom. I don't know anything about buying a car, bro. I got the high, my interest, it was like 19.75%. It was like Ooh. robbery, bro. Ooh. But all my all my mindset was is the money I got and I looked at the payment. I'm like, oh, 500 and something dollars a month. I could do that. Damn, now I'm looking at insurance. That's three, I'm paying 800 and something dollars for a Lincoln. I was like, I should have got a, a Mercedes, a Beamer. I could have got a brand new Beamer or something, a Range. What am I doing? But I did not know. So I had to learn the hard way about that payback 
car off stole, they got a new car paid. So like me learning these things, I can teach, I can show. So I go back, I mentor young kids, I mentor uh, whoever wants to learn basically, man. But my whole vision for life is to gather up as much knowledge as I can, to learn and experience as much as I can, to share and teach as much as I can. That's what it really comes down. And I've learned that I only can help people that want help. And then those who come, I keep preaching it. I'm gonna keep sharing it. And I love seeing the people that are changing their lives from just, you know, taking some of the, the lessons that I've learned along the way. Well, we end up learning again with the knowledge that time is the one thing that we can't buy. Your knowledge in the way of giving is the thing that you end up learning as you go through time, that that's the most valuable thing that you can give to somebody is the knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't buy time, but you can give them what you've learned in your time if you did it right. So paying it forward, passing it along, however you want to phrase it, it's necessary to the folks that are willing to to want to listen because that's how we keep the conversations moving forward and hopefully we have a, a world that can have some kind of balance and true peace by doing that because we have to have more people that have seen the world and lived outside of their blocks be able to tell stories of seeing interaction with different races colors and creeds it's all necessary mm-hmm. to, to make things better so 100 I mean, percent, man good on you for, like for what, what you're, you're doing oh thank you no like what you were saying like as long as we can remember a second's always been a second a minute's always been a minute I hour a day a year time has not changed it's going along at the same speed but what changes is how we use it and you mentioned maturity not just aging over time the maturity you're wiser with your time you start to not just hang around people that are going to waste your time or not waste but not add value to your your time right and once you start to value your time and who you're around and what you're striving for and start to be around people that are better than you in a lot of things you grow man and we can go a whole nother way with this but like as men like i even notice what the area i'm in a lot of men don't like to ask for help or admit that they need it (laughs) and it's like you grow from saying yo teach me you have this what do you know about it what did you learn what did you study let me know i've learned that that's the biggest thing that has helped me excel is help bro like how did you do that and it's a simple thing but somehow we hold we let that fear from asking for help or being vulnerable hold people back like ask for help learn man like there are people the people that are sex successful love sharing <laughs> i'm saying like the dope people that are like that i've met that are just ambitious that they can't wait for somebody I'm like yo oh you want to know what i did cool this is what i did and if you show up and they show they can see that you're serious they love helping you because there's enough room for everybody yeah and they tend to find something that can help to the mix of the creative process that you brought together but you wouldn't have never yeah. found that out if you didn't unlock that awakening in them to where they want to actually learn that mm-hmm. Z, I appreciate you giving a little bit of your time your insight and your story on this episode of for the taste how can folks be able to keep a hold of you and, and see where this movement is going man you can find me on Facebook it's Zerek Sir Knight Z-E-R-E-K Sir Knight um, also on Instagram Mr. Underscore Impact 24. That's M R underscore I M P A C T, the number two four. Always reach out, man. I'm, I'm posting my lifestyle. You'll see me with my kids. You'll see what I value. You'll see my philosophies. My goal is to try to inspire people to be better, not to be me, to be better, man. If I can do that, I feel like I can leave a little piece of me in this world with everybody to share, man. Respects, man. We're going to go ahead and close this one out. Make sure you guys continue to follow at For the Taste Show 
go check out some of the new merch that's on the For The Taste Show website. Some of it's going to different causes to be able to pay some of our forward back to the community and the environment. And most importantly, to all of my folks out there, including you, Z, happy Father's Day, man. And I appreciate it, man. Thank you, sir. All right. Until the next time we get up with you guys, you guys be safe. Do better for each other. That way we can do better for the world. CJ signing off. Y'all be good. Yeah.